Welcome to your upfront moment. We're building a confidence revolution. Hi friend, welcome to your Upfront Moment. Thank you so much for listening, for being here, for coming back for another week. I so, so appreciate you. And you're going to love this week's moment. This week I'm joined by Calypso Barnum-Bob, who's a self-discovery coach, speaker, and the host of the Self-Centred Podcast with Calypso. As a queer black thought leader, Calypso is on a mission to empower people to be unapologetically themselves. She leads workshops for organisations like Nike. She gives talks at places like the Lost Village Music Festival and guest lectures at universities like Ravensbourne and the London College of Fashion. In this conversation, we talked a lot about self-discovery. We talked about this idea of being self-centred. What does that mean? What does it look like? We talked about journaling, being more intentional, how to find silence and quiet in our busy days, and the power of asking good questions, like are you being self-centred enough? And my favourite one, who cares? There's something so freeing about that question of who cares. So let's jump in. I hope you love it and I hope you are okay. If you are enjoying these upfront moments in our new season, Please take a moment to leave us a review where you get your podcasts. Every single review counts and makes a difference and helps us find new women to support and inspire. Welcome to Upfront Moment Calypso. How are you today? Thanks for having me. I'm good. I feel good today. I'm feeling really good. I'm looking out at like autumnal trees. I'm feeling cozy so we are here to talk about all things confidence coaching and being self-centered which Mm. I love your choice to spotlight the idea of being self-centered which we're going to dig into a little but first I'd love to ask you your story like who are you tell us about your mission and the work you do my name is Calypso, Calypso Barn and Bob, if we're doing serious full names. I am a self-discovery coach, a speaker, a podcast host, and I also co-founded an LGBTQ plus friendly retreat business with my partner now. So kind of do lots of different things in the wellness and personal development space. I always say that I am here to help people figure out who they are, what they want, and then I help them feel confident enough to go and get it, like whatever it is. So I support people on their career journeys, figuring out, you know, how they want to spend their time working, relationships, how they can really show up as the most authentic, confident version of themselves, whether they're dating or they are in a relationship, kind of all areas of life, really. And I love that. I love that I get to dip into different pots and pockets of people's things that's me. That's a very quick synopsis. So I spend my time coaching my clients one to one. I have a group coaching program called Self Centered School, um, and then I also work with brands and companies. I deliver talks and workshops for internal team training, and then also for external brand activations, which I love. I love to chat. I love to talk. You'll probably hear that today. So I love being in 
groups and rooms of people where I also really get to see their faces as we discuss things and ideas come to life so yeah that's me and what does confidence mean to you like how do you when you think back to tiny calypso the young girl calypso like what was how did confidence show up in your life as you Mm. grew older I think now confidence to me means freedom like freedom to really be able to be your most authentic self express who you truly feel you are you know being able to speak up being able to dance when you want to dance like really just being able to embody what you feel inwardly outwardly and growing up people always find this funny I was such a shy kid I was a really really shy kid mainly with adults like I was quite confident and friendly with kids my age but I always felt very intimidated by adults and elders and I would would just like shrink into a little shell of myself if I was around any any adults and even my parents I think and my dad's black he's from St Vincent he came over to the UK when he was 14 my mum is English and I remember just always growing up feeling like I didn't fully fit in anywhere. Like I was too black for my white friends. I was too white for my black friends. And I just was constantly shape-shifting and trying to be the version that everybody else wanted me to be. Like I wanted to blend in. And I think a lot of kids do, right? Like you just want to be the same as everyone. And, and I think because I outwardly look different to a lot of the people that I grew up around. My school was pretty white. My friends were pretty white. I just like... I would just absolutely run a million miles away from what I actually wanted and just be who everybody else wanted me to be. And so I think I spent a lot of my years and that kind of carried on through my teenage years. It continued into into my early 20s and adulthood, really, of that self-abandonment of really just being hyper aware of everybody else's needs, thoughts, feelings, falling into people pleasing tendencies and also just being the good girl, I guess. Mm. I'm the eldest of four siblings and I was always the kind of second mum, caretaker, looking after everyone, helping pick up from school. And so I think also I grew up in quite a Christian household and upbringing. And I think that also affected the feeling of freedom and, and fully just expressing all of the crazy wild feelings and thoughts and emotions that I had as I was I was growing up you know I was kind of told that I was this way that I needed to be and and so for me now it's like who cares like who cares if we, we get one role in this body on this earth as far as we know right like I just always think to myself and I say this to my clients a lot like how do you want to spend it like how do you want to spend it and how can you feel confident enough to just go and do those things so yeah that's been the journey for me in confidence and, and really yeah it's freedom it is freedom just to be able to be like this is it this is me that who cares question is a really powerful one and I know you talk a lot about self-discovery in your work I wonder is there a key moment of self-discovery that maybe anchors you or you feel has really impacted your work mm. to date that you could share with us Yeah, so I mentioned that my coaching program is called Self-Centred School. My podcast is also called Self-Centred with Calypso. And I think the biggest self-discovery anchor that I just always come back to is that I believe that we all know. Like, we all have this knowing in us, full stop. I love the mischievous look on your face (laughs) as you say that. We all know. And, like, anyone listening will, will have something that's come to the front of their mind that they know that they're 
avoiding or feeling like they don't know but we all know like I believe that we all have this inner knowing that lives inside of us this like I guess this inner god this this truth teller and I think that I spent so many years like I said growing up in the church and then after kind of stepping away from the church in my early teens detaching from any meaning of spirituality and the universe and God and just being like no I don't want to fall into a cult like it's me for me self-discovery has been reconnecting with this inner knowing that I have and knowing that like all of the answers are within me and it's such a cliche saying but genuinely when I reflect back at all of the changes and shifts and like the path that I've been on to create the life that I live and a life that I love the answers are always inside and really self-discovery is just being brave enough to take a moment and to create some peace to go inwards and listen to that inner knowing and like the sooner you can trust it and the sooner you can build the confidence to then act on it the actual easier life gets it feels hard at first it's like a muscle and a practice but the more you start doing it the more life just like moves with just like beat and momentum that I feel like is almost like a little happy marching band rather than initially the first time you listen to that knowing it might feel like doom like a doom like drums like banging behind you but yeah I think that for me is what the core of self-discovery is it's it's finding silence and quiet in this mad wild world and just making a moment to ask yourself like what do I want what do I truly actually want and then being brave enough to take tiny little pigeon steps towards it Pigeon steps. I love that. I'm going to steal that. So what would you say to folks listening who, you know, intellectually buy into this idea of we hold all the answers that we're looking for? Sounds like a Mariah Carey song. But don't really know. It's like, what does that actually mean in Mm. practice? Like, Mm. how do I access that wisdom, that knowing? How do I start to build that muscle? Because it's a practice. Right. It is. It is. And it's such a good question, actually. One of the things that I noticed I was doing when I first began my conscious self-discovery journey is that I was living life at 100 miles an hour. I was filling all of my time. My weeks was busy. My diary was packed. I was going from work to dinner with friends to making, you know, all of these plans. And even when I was not doing anything, I wasn't like being intentional with my time. I might just be, you know, chilling or scrolling all of these things which we should still do you know like having downtime is really important but I always say if you're feeling lost you're feeling disconnected you're feeling like there's just more there's more in life and I don't know how to get there first simplest step is to get really clear and honest about how you're spending your time yourself I'm a massive journaling advocate I think when we can start to put pen to paper or I don't know like pen to screen if you want to do it digitally or to keyboard And we can start bringing the thoughts and feelings that we have into the 3D world. It makes it easier to make sense of them. We forget things constantly and we can wake up one morning and feel a certain way. And by lunchtime, we've forgotten that we felt that way. And then it scrolls up again on Thursday and we're like, God, I still feel that way. But we've not done anything with the thought. So finding some time in your day, you know, I work with clients who've got kids. They're like, mornings are not happening, right? It might be in the afternoon. It might be taking a walk on your lunch break. Find time. You have to find time for some quiet and some peace and then just start to get inquisitive. I mentioned journaling and the reason I love it is because you can either ask yourself really simple questions like, why do I feel like this right now? Or what is it about work that I'm hating? Or why am I so scared to speak up in my relationship? Or you just 
right like you don't even ask yourself a question I love stream of consciousness journaling I, I read the artist way a few years ago and the concept of morning pages and literally just having a place to have a verbal diarrhea blog without filter and just starting to understand and then once you start doing that and you you start just finding pockets of time you'll start to notice the similarities and the continuous stories that keep coming up and all of a sudden you're getting an insight into your inner knowing because you've one got it on paper in front of you and you know that it's not just a fleeting thought because it's been coming up again and again as you have been writing or reflecting and I've also got clients who aren't big writers I love voice noting myself the voice memos app on my phone sometimes I'll just go out for a walk and I have clients that do this too with my headphones in I'll click record and it just looks like you're on the phone so no one's going to think you're being weird right you just start saying the things that are going around your mind like just say them out loud like talk to yourself and you can listen to it back or you can't as in you cannot you could just have it there just start to create a dialogue that's like one of the biggest most easy tangible ways for you to start to make clarity and then I think the steps that come on for that are how do you start to take action you know and you can go on from there but that's a great little just gateway into understanding what that inner knowing and that that voice is saying yeah I also agree that journaling is such a powerful tool and it's something that I have tried and failed at probably for the last years I feel like this year is the first year where I could say that it's a habit But even so, I still sometimes have weeks at a time where I don't do any, but then I always pick it back up again. Mm -hmm. And there was two pieces of advice that really helped me with that. One was this idea of just actually documenting your day. So starting very simply of this is what I did today. And I can't remember the man who shared this on a podcast I was listening to, but he talked about, you know, over time, if you imagine doing that for months, years at a time, when you look back, there's so much to be gleaned from just how you're choosing to spend your time. You know, mm. it's like today I met so-and-so for lunch. I went a walk, I made soup, I had this call. And the other technique that I like is seven things, seven things I noticed and seven things that happened. Oh, I like that. That's a really nice way to take the pressure off because I find stream of consciousness really difficult because I think that's when your self-judgment can become loud like I've never been able to maintain the artist's way habit we have a brilliant artist's way group in our global bond community who I know just gets so much out of that practice and the artist dates and it's something that I yeah really admire folks for doing because I think it's such a such a powerful tool And in our bond program, a lot of the activities in the learning process are centered around journaling. And I know that for some folks, it's the very first time they've ever tried and they've ever thought about it. So for folks listening who have maybe tried before and then it kind of drifted off or they want to do it and they've never tried, I really hope that this conversation gives you the gentle nudge, even if it's super simple. This is what I did today. Seven things I saw seven things I noticed, seven things that happened. And the more you do that, I think at the start, it's actually less about what you write and more about just getting comfortable putting words on the page Mm. and silencing any voice that might be, you know, who do you think you are? Jane Austen. Yeah, literally. I actually, when I first started 
writing the artist way I was so afraid to write down the negative thoughts and feelings I was having I was like I'm just gonna lean into all of the good things because if I do that then you know maybe more good things will come and it was it was a real barrier for me to give myself permission to just write how I was actually feeling which at the time I was in my last job in the fashion industry I was unbelievably burnt out my relationship was in the bin like it was in a terrible place we were really struggling and I was so scared to like just I was like if I write this out it feels even more true and that feels even more scary because I almost know I'm gonna have to do something with it if it's out there and and I that that felt daunting but it inspired this action in me that I hadn't felt confident enough to do before it was like actually the act of putting the things that didn't feel good down on paper all of a sudden made me feel like I need to do something about this rather than being like oh my gosh my life feels absolute it it became this moment of empowerment because I remember looking at my journal and being like nobody else is going to read this like no one else is reading this I'm the only person that can do anything about this. I now have to do something about this because I am noticing. I haven't even realised how down I was until I started. So it, I think it's just however you do it. And I love that concept of really just starting down and noting your day because I think that's it's similar self-reflection, isn't it? And like, how are you feeling? How are you spending your time just from the, the acts that you're doing? I find it to be such an empowering process, such an empowering process. I hope you'll try it you listening thinking about Mm -hmm. it and you do not need a fancy notebook and you do not need a new pen just use the notebook you have stay away from paper chests so your podcast is called self-centered with Mm -hmm. calypso and i know you mentioned you have your group coaching program called the self-centered school so i just want to know all about why you have chosen to call it that and what is it about that phrase the concept that you are drawn to why have you decided to focus Mm. there so I mentioned before that I grew up very much a people pleaser and actually it's something that I still have to really work on to this day and anyone that's listening who identifies in a similar category as somebody that is often the caretaker or making sure that everybody else is okay, continuing in a job or in a relationship because you're thinking that you don't want to upset anybody around you. There was this reclamation of the word self-centered that I had to step into. I had to, at a point, say, I need to stop worrying about everybody else and I just need to focus on me. And it's actually quite a spiritual story as to how the name came to me. I was in a breathwork ceremony and my grandma who passed away when I was like three years old just came to me in this vision the question I asked was should I be starting this podcast and she just came to me and said yes and you need to call it self-centered and I literally like shot up and was like whoa that was crazy and that is an insane name like I love it so that's how the actual specific name came up but everything I do with clients is helping them feel confident enough to just do them and I think the word self-centered has such negative connotations it's like when we think about being self-centered we think about being selfish and actually I think they're two very different things when we put ourselves first I believe that we then have the capacity to actually serve others in an even more grounded heartful loving capacity for me I believe that when we give without giving to ourselves first we fall into a sense of duty which then breeds resentment which then breeds unhappiness and so my belief is that we all need to be a little bit self-centered at first when we're on any kind of journey 
so that we can be authentic in our in our choices and in our lives right like without it we're just like we're running blind and we're running on with blinkers and I got to too many points in my life where I realized I hadn't been self-centered enough so for folks listening who want to be more self-centered find even the thought of making friends with that word uncomfortable where might they start what's our tiny pigeon step I'm really visualizing tiny little pigeon feet now we spoke before about time and and really just having a look if you have those moments of solitude I think one of the things that I love to invite clients to do is just finding one tiny little thing that your heart is desiring right now like what's something that you would really love or love to do that maybe no one else is really down for doing with you or that you you know, you actually don't even want to do with anyone else. And it might be, you know, I was chatting to a client the other day and she was like, I really have been wanting to try rock climbing for ages, but I am a little bit scared. I'm really excited about it. And I don't want to feel a bit silly. And I've mentioned it to my friends and no one's really been down. And she booked herself in and she was just like, I'm just going to go like in the afternoon when nobody's really there and it's not busy. And she was so excited about just having this moment of doing something that her heart has been desiring that she's been denying herself because she was too busy. She's, you know, she was looking after her sons on Friday afternoons, all of these reasons. So first of all, just getting into the practice of acting on the things that are potentially calling you and it doesn't have to be big it can be a tiny weeny little thing it could be that there's a new coffee shop that you really want to go and try out but it's a little bit further on your on your morning walk so it will mean you'll have to wake up a little bit earlier or call in late to work you know just say that your train got delayed just do a little bit of something for you that you really want and I think it becomes a practice and there are lots of different fears and challenges that are felt by so many me definitely as I said before being one like I'll constantly be thinking I know but if I turn up 10 minutes late you know on this one day even though I've never been late my whole entire life I don't want to let my team down but just the act of being like I can actually just take a little moment for me so I'm always always giving to other people so just really thinking first step what's one little tiny thing that you want to do and then you get to reflect on one how that felt you doing that thing for you. And then you can start to analyze different areas of your life and think, okay, if I look at these different slices of my life, am I doing what I want to do? Is it rolling in the way that I want it to roll? And you can kind of then start working through steps around having conversations and making changes to really embody that. And it's also infectious and inspirational. Like everyone thinks being self-centered is people are going to think you're being selfish when actually you give permission for other people to do the same. And then everybody just gets to be a little bit more happy and authentically them because everyone stopped pretending to be what they think everyone else needs them to be. Right. It's literally it becomes this domino effect that feeds on, you know, and I say to my partner, actually, I just need to go and pop into this room and do like a 10 minute meditation this morning and then I'll come down and we can have a chat about that thing over tea. I then give her permission to be like, do you know what, actually, me too. I'm going to go and do that too. Otherwise, believe the rest of it. And then she feels better when she's mm-hmm. done it. I feel better when I've done it. And then the conversation that we have over tea is way more fruitful than us just both rolling in because we both feel like we needed to have that chat at that time. And I love Susie Redding. I'll put a link to the upfront moment with Susie in the show notes but she talks about this idea of taking time for yourself isn't selfish but if you don't take time for yourself you become a selfish arsehole Mm. you can't show up for other people 
if you're not resourced. And, you know, I think you're right, it is infectious and it's inspiring. But there's also still so much shit to wade through, you know, Mm. whether that's internalised misogyny, how we judge other women that we see being their true selves, being confident, earning the money, saying the dreams aloud, whatever that thing might be, right through to, you know, the year my son was born, our next door neighbour saying, oh, I don't often see you with your mummy, you're usually with your dad, you know, everything in between. So I do think it shouldn't be underestimated, like what the scale of those barriers are. But I certainly feel a shift in my peers and online community. And I, and I do think as much as Instagram is, I want to say, just a pain in the ass. Challenging. Yeah, as much as it's challenging, I do think tools like Instagram have helped to raise awareness and educate women who have been really, really deeply conditioned to put their needs at the bottom at all costs. And I feel excited about what the consequences women making different choices will be for their children that are watching them. You know, I think if you want your daughter to be self-centered you need to show her what that looks like it's true I think it can sometimes feel like an uphill battle or it can feel like an even more terrifying like thing to choose yourself when you don't feel like it's your only resort but I always encourage people to not wait until they're at a place where they are feeling so depleted and so burnt out and so unchosen that they are then being like I am now choosing me. And that's natural. I waited until I got to, you know, my rock bottom to leave a job that wasn't serving me, to start relationship therapy, to do all of those things. And sometimes I feel like we we wait, like we wait until we're there. We wait until the resentment is like boiling up to here and that we're like so fed up. And then we're like, I've had enough. Like I'm not being this, you know, martyr anymore. I'm choosing me. And I think that it's a practice and it can become a practice that you build into your life in small ways so that you don't get to that point. I think we have to start to exercise it as a muscle that we use in the same way that you might go to the gym and start training one area of your body or whatever it is. It's just this tiny little practice that you can start to build in in small ways. That And it's, you know, it's a shift in communication and it's also an you know, you've built an amazing community. It is surrounding ourselves with others that are doing it that I think makes it way easier than isolating yourself and the only interactions you're having are with people who are the next door neighbour that makes comments about, you know, you want to be filling your ears, your time, and you're here right now listening to this podcast, so that's already an amazing, like, you're doing it. The more you can surround yourself in this being the norm, and that's why I love group coaching and, like, bringing groups of people together because you're like, oh, yeah, I actually do deserve to live a life that I love. That is actually something that I really do deserve, and it doesn't mean that I'm sacrificing everything else. It's that and, you know? It's not either or, it's an and, and that's something that I always like to stress as well. And is a really important idea in these conversations, you know, being able to hold the two things that are in tension at the same time. So I'd love to ask you one last question, which we ask all our guests on Upfront Moment, which is when Upfront achieves its mission of supporting a million women with their confidence and their visibility and their self-centeredness, how will the world be different from your point of view? I mean, the word that just comes to mind straight away is better. 
it'll be better. <laughs> and and I think really when I bubble that down, like I imagine there being better leaders. I imagine there being better men, better cis men, right? And with better women who are more confident, who can share their truth, who can share their feelings, who can also then raise a next generation of people who are aware of that and inspired by that and respectful of that like we're living in a better world and I think it's so funny I was chatting to a friend last night came over for dinner and, and my partner and I will be going through the process of having a family of our own from next year and we were talking about like another one of our friends is pregnant and she's she's having a little girl and we were talking about oh what would you prefer and I'm like yeah gender is a construct and we're like we're, we're literally having this in-depth conversation and it's like, I really would love, you know, I would love to have a boy or somebody that chose to identify as a guy because I just feel like to be raised by two confident women, like that really would, I hope, have such an impact on that young man and how he then would go on to have conversations and inspire others. And that's just the image that originally came to mind. It's just like this. I always say that the work I do, I imagine and hope to be like a spider web of positive transformation where like I might touch one person and they touch another two and it just keeps spiraling out. And I think with a million as your number is like so inspirational and incredible. And I just see that like, skyrocketing and better 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 is really what I feel years to better and I Mm. think I totally agree with your feelings around raising a son as a feminist and it's obviously something that me and my partner spend a huge amount of time talking about and working on and reflecting on and something that we've landed on that I'm really excited about which you might have seen on my socials or not is this idea of the trick so it's actually an idea that Robert Webb the comedian came up with and he wrote like two sentences about it in his book which was essentially he was trying to talk to his daughter about the patriarchy because she was five she couldn't say patriarchy and it sounded as if she was saying trick and he was like actually that is what it is it tricks us into thinking that we have different rules for boys and different rules for girls Mm -hmm. so my son has got really long blonde curly hair like golden ringlets I have no idea where they came from but they're (laughs) incredible and so he often gets mistaken for a girl and we've been able to probably since he was three talk to him about this idea of well that's because that person's been tricked because they Mm. think that girls have long hair which is not true and now that he's nearly six he brings the trick to me in ways that challenges me you know he'll be like well why are you shaving your legs and daddy doesn't shave his you've been tricked and yesterday he's like why are all the teachers in my school and my nursery women why are there no men teachers is Mm. that the trick and it's like at its core yeah Mm. like it is and so we've had so much really brilliant feedback on this idea because people are starting to talk to their children about it but I think the real juicy stuff happens with the conversations you have with your partner Mm -hmm. and your friends who are pregnant or have children with the grandparents and the aunties and uncles because that's when the conversation starts to get really real Mm -hmm. of you know when you're raising a boy that you want to feel really comfortable crying asking Mm -hmm. for help you know wearing a dress if he wants Mm. to wear a dress it's like Mm -hmm. that's going to be difficult for extended family and for some people and so having simple language to put on that complexity I think is is really great Atlas and I recorded an episode about the trick which is I love that I'm gonna definitely listen to that this afternoon 
So I'll put that in the show notes for folks who would love to listen in. But thank you so much for for being here and for sharing your story. I'm sad this is not like a live podcast recording because I feel like you just, you're like sunshine and human (sighs) form. I feel warmed by your energy. So thank you for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for holding such a gorgeous space. It's been such a lovely chat. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Upfront Moment. Before I say goodbye, I want to remind you to follow Upfront on Instagram and join the other 5,000 women all over the world who get our weekly newsletter. Go to weareupfront.com to find out more. Bye friends, I'll see you on Monday for your next Upfront Moment.